0: Welcome to actually best choice movies the world's only movie podcast i am uh half of the hosts i am chris chafin
1: oh i like the saying half host because i'm a half host caleb shively
0: um so every week on actually best choice movies or every whatever every episode we talk about two movies one of them is old one of them is new but they are related in some way uh even though you wouldn't like necessarily guess they were related, but they are related in a certain way. Yeah, uh, wouldn't some,
1: you say, Caleb? Sometimes it's uh, pretty straightforward. Sometimes it's less austere and more of a little work there. But, you know, it's still movies that you could – you could probably pick any two movies, to be honest, and just say they're movies and it
0: works. <laughs> Shut up, <laughs> Caleb. You're giving away the secret of the show, you idiot. <laughs> um, so this week on the show, we're talking about two films, uh, as always – the new one is uh, Lover's Rock, part of Small Acts from Steve McQueen. That's out right now on Amazon Prime. The older one is another British slice of life movie. It's Mike Lee's uh, Secrets and Lies from 1996. Is that right? 1996. Yes. 1996. All right. Yeah. So that's all this week on actually best choice movies. Peace. Um, but before we get to any of that, right, so these are two movies, um, they're both British, they're both about, you know, British life, uh, they're slice-of-life kind of style films, and, you know, in a certain way, they're both about the black experience in Britain, although not really, but kind of, um, what, uh, well, yeah, how, how I, do you think these movies play together? Caleb?
1: Well, they, there's a lot, I could, more in a, uh, directorial sense, where, like, Steve McQueen, the British director, was probably one of the most, uh, prominent British directors working today uh, as Mike Lee is working today, but he's probably one of the more renowned both Oscar-nominated, uh, well-accomplished directors uh, from Britain uh, who start... Uh, this is Steve McQueen's uh, Lover's Rock is on Amazon, uh, which is TV uh, works, we could say, uh, uh, where Mike Lee uh, uh, got his start for the, through the BBC making TV. So there's some esoteric... Connections to make but you know both these uh movies are just ordinary people's ordinary lives and how those lives aren't really ordinary is yeah slice of life is the way to say it and i think they both accomplish that and uh yeah i'm just really thrilled to be talking about two of the great directors of uh cinema
0: yeah um yes. you mentioned the movie tv thing which like I'll talk about more in the intro to Lover's Rock, but they definitely are both, um, they kind of straddle this line because there's this question about if Lover's Rock is TV or, or, or film. And then, I mean, Secrets and Lies obviously is a film, uh, but it was made into a TV show later. And I think part, and we could talk about this when we talk about the movie, but I, I thought like part of the experience of watching it was, was interesting from 2020 because it, it reminded me of so much prestige TV that it exists today. I, it, it seems to prefigure a lot of, I mean, just to take like current examples from American TV, it's like Parenthood, it's like This Is Us, and there's like a million British shows that are like this also. Um, but I think it was more rare at the time. I'm not going to say completely undone. It's not like it was completely unique, but but I feel like especially today, like it kind of feels like TV in a certain way. This movie,
1: uh, yeah, I could get behind that. I would say the other only things like that at the time were other Mike Lee movies, uh, 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 Life Is Sweet, and uh, his, uh, yeah, I guess it was early BBC film work, and then he had high hopes and career girls. Uh, well, high hopes before this, career girls after this. But yeah, I'm getting off on my Mike Lee tangent, which I'll get to that later as well.
0: Uh, yeah, so I think we should just get into talking about them maybe, huh? Let's talk about it. Yeah, that's cool. Baby. So uh, the first movie we're going to do this week is the new Steve McQueen 2020 uh, Lover's Rock. So you run into trouble, like basically right at the start of talking about Steve McQueen's Lover's Rock, because like, is it a new film or is it a new TV episode? Uh, this has been the subject of like a lot of debate actually in the media, um, you know, the 70, it's 70 minutes long, this thing, Lover's Rock, uh, it's part of a collection called Small Acts*, which is on Amazon Prime, and it has five different installments. So like a more regular way to say that is it's part of a TV show called it's a small acts and it's one of the episodes and that's certainly how amazon prime treats it and google and everything but um steve mcqueen has said he thinks each of them are films and so a lot of outlets and you know websites and magazines have been kind of like taking his lead on that and considering them films uh you know so that's like it's this whole thing about this this movie um but putting all that aside like so what lovers rock is it's set in one night in 1980 in england it follows a group of young people who are all like the children of crimea Uh, immigrants as they like they go to this big party in somebody's house it's called the blues party it's like they're playing reggae music and they're all flirting falling in love fighting at this party that you know lasts all night and and into the morning uh it's got this amazing soundtrack most notably featuring janet Kay's uh song silly games which is kind of a motif in the movie they repeat it multiple times and also like the more you watch the movie the more the lyrics seem to be commenting on the action of, of the movie um so it's a very loose film. It packs a lot of emotion into not a huge amount of dialogue. Uh, Caleb, what what did you think about this movie?
1: You know, it really is an intimate snapshot of a specific time and a specific place and one that I wasn't really uh, exposed to too much. I think we did cover... Um, the harder they come on this, is that what I get that title right? Uh, on this on this podcast before, which is a reggae movie. Oh, I
0: don't know. Did we? And we, we did Babylon. Like, that's obviously Babylon, very similar. Yeah. It's like about the same time, basically, we did Babylon, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, and that was actually authentic, more authentic. But this is like an ode to that or just what life was like for people, uh, black immigrants, West Indian immigrants, uh, in there. And that, that's what all of Small Axe is. Uh, small Acts, uh, I learned as a. Uh, Bob Mar- it's a bob marley song and the lyric is i think it's such a good lyric um you are the big tree we are the small axe. Uh, so it's about uh, people a community and people coming together in, who are black who have to face england <laughs> which i sure exist i'm sure i sure existed I'm because black people have it hard everywhere there's white people uh but i wasn't super familiar with it and uh I thought of the three that aired so far, Lover's Rock has been my favorite. Uh, we get two more, so yeah. who knows? But uh, yeah, Lover's Rock, I learned, I got to learn a lot about not only uh, history of people, but also uh, the subgenre of, of reggae. It's called Lover's Rock, which is... Uh, very bass heavy. I, I read the Wikipedia page. <laughs> it's a very romantic. Romantic. There's a lot of uh, female performers. Uh, it's less political than. Yeah, R-day. the
0: Times had an article about this. Oh, also, that's cool, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, uh, and there's a local bar here in Brooklyn called Lovers Rock that I've been to only once.
0: Oh, that is true. Yeah, that's on. Uh, what you call it? Uh, Tompkins? Is that right? You
1: gotta get it right. It's our credibility on the line right here.
0: I'm pretty sure it is. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. And it is a great, you know, this song, uh, Silly Games is like, I don't know if if you were familiar with this song, but I listen to this playlist on Spotify all the time of old reggae songs that someone made. And it's, it's on there. So I've heard it like a million times. So when I first saw the trailer, I was like, Oh, cool, that song's in the movie. But I had no idea it was going to be like, repeated over and over again in the movie and like such a major part Mm -hmm. of the
1: movie. Uh, yeah.
0: Um, you know, you see like multiple groups of characters all sing it together and then it's playing on the stereo all the time. Uh, it was cool. I mean, I thought that was really cool actually. Yeah. It was great. I mean, obviously the great soundtrack mm -hmm. to this, this one. Yeah.
1: They're like cooking in the kitchen, singing the song. And then later on in the the movie, uh, while it goes through, we're just going through a Saturday night at a a party where what this movie is and uh, like we're following the guys who are just, uh, you know, unabashedly hitting on women, uh, constantly and like women sorry man women it's uh it sucks being women uh you just get constantly hit on uh they're just there and like they just want to have like a good time this is like their get 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 out night let's just yeah it's I, I mean as a person who hasn't been to a party through the quarantine oh i like right. like such a balm it's like a soothing thing to be like oh well, this is why i like parties to just come together <laughs>
0: see that's funny that you say that did you really feel like that because i felt watching it like because so many things happen that go wrong and like oh shit sorry um so many things happen and go wrong and uh there's like you know people get in fights and somebody's friend gets mad in, and storms off it, and people are like sitting in the corner in, by themselves in this movie or in real in this life? in this <laughs> in this movie in this in well, this I movie think, like, those, in this movie
1: uh, yeah there's like touches of distress but like nothing really ever boils over like there's like white outsiders well, that just shows that like, this is like their, uh, safe spot. And then like, there is that guy at the party who's always looking for a pi- fight and he does get into a fight. And yeah, I mean, she like jagged
0: piece of glass to someone's yeah, neck but, to like stop them from raping someone. So like, I
1: think it represents like a more male aggression and like how parties like do exist. Cause that does happen at parties, but it ultimately is just like a hangout movie and everyone's having a good time. And like,
0: yeah, uh, no, like that, there's like a
1: big, silly, uh, silly games scene, uh, like, there's go over the dance floor. Like, we're at the dance floor for, like, 60 sixty to 70% of this movie. And it's just, like, a really nice
0: yeah, roving right. camera. It's, and... like, climax almost, Yeah, right? Yeah, and
1: then yeah. Uh, he, he drops the song out, and then it's everyone singing kind of off-key, but everyone just knows the lyrics, and they're all swaying to it. It's absolutely a beautiful, like, reminder of the power of people coming together and just getting along. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's true too, uh, judging I mean, from the time frame of their existence.
0: What I was going to say before is that it reminded me like how awful it was to go to parties. <laughs> like, I just thought of all the time I had spent at parties, like sitting by myself, like having a drink or something. And like, which is kind of, I think portrayed pretty faithfully in, in this movie, people like ending up on their own or like you know being stranded at a party becomes like a plot point at a certain sure. point and i just thought like oh my god i completely forgot about being stranded at a party like jesus christ <laughs> It definitely has happened to me and it's definitely one of the weirdest and worst feelings you know
1: <laughs> i was just gonna say this along with uh mangrove which was the first of it was supposed to be at can this year but they later uh when new york film festivals uh, did their online thing this was the opening night film which i thought was uh, they did show the other uh, mangrove and red, white, and blue, which are the three out right now. We get two more, uh, three more by the time you uh, two. Excuse me, one more. Four will be out by the time you listen to this, if you followed my logic. There
0: is that true, really? Yeah,
1: uh, they come out Friday. Yeah, so uh, one will come out. I'm gonna watch one tomorrow. But they've all been very stellar, uh, and I would say mangrove. Like we were talking about TV, is this TV uh, or is this a film? I'd, I'd say they're com- all films, but they're just trying to get Emmy nominations and they're going to win a bunch of Emmys. Uh,
0: I mean, I don't know if they, I mean, look, I mean to get into it, like I don't honestly don't know if they are movies. I mean, if this is a movie like episodes of Mad Men are movies and episodes of they the Sopranos are movies. Like
1: this is uh, a an anthology miniseries. Sure. But it's what, self-contained, uh, but, yeah, only okay. really
0: but d- it's like 70 minutes long. I don't, I didn't find it particularly more like sophisticated as a piece of filmmaking than like, Certain episodes of prestige TV See, shows. See, I would not think uh, a
1: prestige TV show would not lack as plot as this does, and have a, as be shaggy. Like that's it's kind of amazing that if if this aired on like a network TV, I'd be like, this is outstanding. That this something.
0: I mean, right? Yeah.
1: Uh, and also uh, to the point of length, like the first one, Mangrove uh, is over two hours long. So, like the like these. Oh, stuff, is yeah. that true? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. And red, white, and blue. That-
0: are are they all different? Like. W- are they all like crazy different lengths? Uh,
1: so far, yeah. Uh, Red, White, and Blue is like about an hour and a half long, which is uh, the John Boyega hmm. one, which is also very, very good. Yeah. Right,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I don't know, yeah. Is Does the length matter or like what makes it a TV yeah, show I... or what makes it a movie? I mean, these are very, especially in this era, like I feel like nobody really has the answers to mm-hmm. these questions. And it's you it, uh, know? we like, can
1: still like break down these perceptions of television and- that's how things are going to be to be cool. Uh, you have to do new things or challenge, uh, the old guard to be art now. And that's great. And we get, uh, a cool, and we get Steve McQueen. And I can't believe I'm not talking about Steve McQueen as much as I am. He's one of the great directors we have. I, I mean, he's won Oscar for uh, 12 years a slave. And, uh, I always tell people to go watch shame. It's one of the best movies, uh, best New York movies I've seen. Uh, Widows, did we do Widows on this podcast? I don't know, uh, but I love
0: Stephen McQueen. I forget, I think maybe we did, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, um, I mean, that was kind of a flop. That was kind of a big flop for him, and that kind of, sort of set yeah. his career on a different path, I think. It was a
1: flop commercially, but it has a bi- really big cinephile audience. Uh, uh, people, had, it has its fans. i <laughs> not. Uh, but it's amazing that we get him to do television uh, if this is TV. like that's If TV's going to do uh, be great, uh, be a, the new art form, we're going to have to get our great artists to do it, and who better than Steve McQueen to do it, and he also got, uh, I mean, there's not really a lot of big actors in this one, but John Boyega, Letitia Wright, he gets a lot of great people in uh, throughout small, uh, small acts. Uh, uh, he did get a cool cinematographer here, uh, and I like the cinematography in this one, because again, like I said, it's very roving, and there's usually, like, Steve McQueen shots, man, that's a fucking genre. Uh, like the Michael Fassbender running through New York, jogging through New York in shame, uh, the uh, the hanging scene in uh, 12 Years a Slave. These are just like outstanding films. And here it's just like filming, floating over, going up and down, around people at a party. Uh, and the person who shot this is uh, Shabir Kirchner, who uh, also shot Gate Kitchen. So he's not working with his usual cinematography. He's working with uh, uh, probably to, for Amazon's budget, which is weird to say, um, let a cheaper cinematographer yeah, right. less accomplished only in uh not in skill but in uh credits so it's cool that he's so so cool people to get to work on this
0: yeah i mean it is a, so one of the things you keep mentioning is like when i think i said too is like it's got a shaggy plot right mm-hmm. but i mean this is this is putting it very like the movie is all like looks and you know it's like so the way people look at each other and the way people are dancing on each other, like, and the way, you know, you're watching them sort of react to things. There, There's really hardly any, the movie doesn't move with dialogue, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. it's all very like filmic in this way. But I will say like in the, you know, in the moments where I was not feeling super into this movie and there were a couple where it just felt, it kind of reminded me of like, like a perfume commercial or something. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, like I do, yeah. I, it, In a certain way, like, do you know what I mean? The way it's, like, people, like, catch eyes across the room, and then they, like, you know, then they're dancing, and then, like, someone's going, like, woo! Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, they're, like, riding a bicycle in the sunshine. It's, like, and I guess, I guess maybe p- p- perfume commercials are poetry, but, like, that's kind of what this was like, well, you know?
1: And you think of a way uh, that commercials are trying to sell you something but in that artistic way so it's like putting you the viewer uh, it's giving you the onus to like project your feelings onto it so I do agree it, it very much is like oh wait what am I feeling now it's like how you feel about parties like you had your own feelings about parties my feelings about parties came up about this yeah. uh, my feeling about reggae came up I was excited to learn some hear some reggae songs like I just like at one point like I'm not really taking notes here or like I don't have to take notes or uh pay attention too hard here I'm just gonna watch people at a party and listen to some reggae music
0: (laughs) with them this is a very well yeah i felt the same way right yeah Yeah. it's not like you have to be like like you know we're watching it for this show obviously and a lot of times i take notes but i and i did take some notes but i was like you're also just like watching this party and i mean i mentioned climax before and it does have something Mm -hmm. in common with climax because there is a long section of the movie where like all of a sudden it's just people dancing yeah. and it maybe goes on for like 15 minutes or something, 10 minutes, 15 mm-hmm. minutes. And in a 70 minute movie, you know, that's, in the, that's like a lot of the movie, you know? Right. I kind of wish you, he- and it was like the, in climax, the way it like, it's like kind of this like organic, oh, yeah. you know, f- ebb and flow of the way people are acting. Uh, and it was, it felt very, you know, real and very like interesting and the kind of thing you don't see on film. very often. Uh, I, yeah,
1: I agree. Um, so with mangrove, which was the first one, and it's about, uh, protests uh yeah so i was more attuned to like a bad thing happening uh so this is, L- lover's rock is the second one that came out after so uh i kept waiting for a shoe to fall and then like i did like we did mention like there's these moments of distress like oh here here comes it. and then like nothing really happens right. i think the most that happens is uh she meets a new guy and dances with him instead <laughs> of like a, another guy she was talking to earlier that's maybe the plot uh, but who i don't know i mean uh i'm Saying she, I'm trying to think. Uh, her name, uh, I'll look it up because I'm gonna kick myself. Uh, but it was her acting debut. Uh, her name is Amara J. Saint Aubin. Uh, her character's name is Martha. But yeah, great performance. Uh, I would say if there's a star of this movie it as easily as her. Uh, very. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: Because like we're saying, it's as much as I'm saying. Like, you know. It, It requires a different kind of acting. It's almost like modeling, the kind of stuff you have to do in this movie, because it's all just like react, looking at things and reacting to people, you know, and portraying things without saying anything, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she does a fantastic job at that. You're always like completely keyed into her. And I do like we're saying it's like a slice of life, and I like it because it's you see them like her and her friend like getting ready at the house, and then they're taking the bus, and then they're like walking up to the party, all this kind of stuff that just isn't necessarily included in the final product of a film a lot of times, but is very true to life. And it was portrayed very well, I thought, you know, so it was very, oh, yeah. it was nice to see. And it was, it isn't like engrossing, right?
1: No, it, it is it kind of, it, it, it's not engrossing the way that it is completely engrossing. Where it's just like, Hey, this is stuff that I do. How do other people do it? I know that I do it a certain way. So it's like hitting another part of your brain and I'm, I'm all here for that type of stuff
0: yeah um and it's just kind of and it's called lovers rock and it's you know it's about people trying to fall in love and it did make me think a lot about parties and why you go to parties and you know, you have these moments of clarity every once in a while, and I'm like, are parties, like, is that the only reason parties exist, is for, like, people to go have sex with each other? Because <laughs> the women, I mean, as much as you're saying, like, it's, it's like, awful the women get hit on so much, and there is, like, a, a pervy guy that's hitting on them, they are also there to get hit on, and then the guys are there to hit on them, and I, I a lot of times, was just at a party to, like, listen to music and drink beer, you know? Like, sure. I was always, almost never there to, like, meet someone to hook up with.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, I guess that's the young man's party is uh, meeting girls and... Uh, having a good time there i mean we're getting older now and we have like more of a uh a, i don't want to say
0: a rich people's party because we're not
1: that rich but uh, uh but more like a sophisticated yeah. societal party where it's just more like
0: uh yeah, like a sedate like cheese yeah. on a piece of marble party yeah
1: yeah and those aren't better than this <laughs>
0: No, definitely not. But in a way, like, they, you know, my problem with parties w- when I was younger was always, like, so, and it is portrayed very well in this movie. It's, like, they get to the party, they're having a lot of fun, they're doing some stuff, and they meet a bunch of people, and they're having drinks, and then, like, somebody gets mad and leaves, and then, like, so she can't find the other person she was talking to, and there's sort of, like, weird people start showing up to the party, and the vibe seems a little weird. That's always when I went home. I always would just leave. I would be like, okay, well, this is over now. I'm going home. But in the movie, she, like, stays out, you know which I know is the smart thing to do. But I just, I, I, in that moment in real life, when the vibe of the party just gets a little weird, like around like 1145, 12, 1230, somewhere in there. And it seems like everybody, like the f- first group of people are all tired or leaving. I, I will also just leave, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I've been out long enough. Fuck this. You know?
1: <laughs> You're the first wave to leave. Yeah. That's fu- oh, smart. I, like- I am. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I like to be a second wave person. Uh-huh. Um, really do you have anything else
0: you want to say about this movie, Caleb? Uh,
1: not too much else. Uh, I didn't know this because I couldn't, I was surprised to find out, but all the music in The Small Axe uh, is uh, composed by uh, the great Mika Levy. Uh, Mika Levy did the score for oh, wow. uh, Under the Skin. Uh, she was in Mikachu in the Shapes. Uh, another great score, uh, uh, that movie about... Uh, but you still toro drug kingpin, Sicario. Uh, I love Mika Levy's scores, <laughs> uh, but it doesn't really stand out, especially in this Sicario. movie. It doesn't, uh, in this movie, in this episode
0: of well, because there's so much uh, reggae yeah. music, they're, the score is not really. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It's not really the thing in this movie. Yeah, I can't. He,
1: nothing against uh, his other movie scores, but I can't really pick out uh, scores from his other films, even though they're probably excellent. Yeah, to kind of parlay into the next film a little bit uh it, it was interesting because we weren't to give you behind the scenes we were going to do uh, red white and blue before lovers rock but we decided to do lovers rock because it was getting the better reviews it honestly i think it's a better one too uh and i don't know if we would have paired uh, secrets and lies the next one we're going to talk about uh yeah right. with it uh and, and honestly i did pick it because there is uh the black aspect of it uh which doesn't really come up too much they're just the black character in Secret Slide is just a person, and that it is part of the plot. But I don't know, I could, like, if we did Mangrove, the first episode of Lovers Rock, I would have suggested we do Peter Liu. Uh Even if we did uh, mm-hmm. Red, White, and Blue, uh, that would have maybe, because that's more about a family dynamic aspect, that's a big part of it. I would have suggested we do uh, Life is Sweet, because, you know, Mike Lee, uh, as Steve McQueen, as do great directors, just singular voices and they're just making the movie same over and over again in a way but also very different and i still think the power of uh movies and artists is that we get to see them work and see their minds uh so i just wanted to say that before getting into to expand upon why we're doing (laughs) secrets and lovers (laughs) secrets and why we paired them
0: together yeah i mean in a way it's an odd pairing right we could have paired it with Mm -hmm. Babylon right mm-hmm. I mean we've already done that obviously mm-hmm. or like this is England which I'm always trying to do do things about but I think I, I you know I, I really agreed with what you said to me over email about them being like slice of life movies about the British you know experience mm-hmm. about living in England like I, I thought that was really pretty true it to really life because yeah. they're both they both just like, like I mean like you said in the earlier part of the show they both just focus on things that would really happen to you. And I mean, in the case of Lovers Rock, not seem that dramatic. Obviously this stuff would seem dramatic that happens in Secrets and Lies, but it's also just like kind of the stuff that happens to people, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, um,
1: There's a quote uh, so, someone said about Mike Lee that I think applies to both his films uh, and to Lovers Rock here. Uh, a celebration of getting through misery with dignity.
0: Yeah, well, that is definitely true.
1: <laughs> cool. Yeah, definitely true. Uh, Chris, team me up and I'll get my intro in.
0: Hey. So the next movie we're going to talk about is 1996's Secrets and Lies. Now you're under no obligation, but you can, if you want to, give me a lovely big smile. Thank you. I wonder if she knows. I haven't told her. I hope Cynthia doesn't know either. She doesn't. That's all right then. You've been sitting there for a month with a face like a slapped ass. You complaining? Well, shut up then. Ah! Ah, yeah. That's good. On any street. She's got some bloke in tow. You're all right, sweetheart! Would you get inside? Shifty looking bleeder. Walks like a crab. Every family has them. Do you smile, Mother? No. Some just have more than others. I'm trying to locate a Cynthia Purley, please.
1: Coming off a Best Director win at Cannes for 1993's Naked, Mike Lee upped his profile quite further with his next film, Secrets and Lies, which won Best Director and The Palm Door at Cannes, as well garnered the first two Oscar nominations for Lee in Screenplay and Directing. Uh, it was also nominated that year for Actress, Supporting Actress, and Best Picture. Those are, those are just accolades, and I am happy to share this breakthrough for our dear Mike, well, because I adore his movies. Uh, but Secrets and Lies, like many of his films, is set in the then-modern-times London. Uh, the plot concerns Hortense, a black middle-class optometrist who was adopted and is now tracking down and finding her birth mother, Cynthia, a white woman of meager means who, we find out, has a dysfunctional family all her own, And that's where Secrets and Lies lives, in depicting the struggles of everyday people by the use of a skilled ensemble playing these kind of over-the-top characters, but who really shape these real lives. Uh, Lee is a notorious actor's director. He famously puts his actors through workshops before all his films. He's done that since his early stage plays in the 60s. So the beauty of a Mike Lee film is the characters themselves lifting the piece into its own unique world, and with Secrets and Lies, Lee moved away from some of the brashness and rough edges of his previous work and harnessed a more compassionate one than before. Uh, Chris, I'll quit talking so we can both talk now.
0: Uh, that's so sweet of you, Caleb, and I do appreciate it. Uh, you obviously are a very big, you know, Lee head. <laughs> Lee head. You're, you're Lee, Lee high. high. <laughs> yeah, you're Lee high. Um, <laughs> And I'm not that as familiar with his work, uh, and I, of course, I've heard about this movie. I remember when this came out; it was such a big deal. Like you said, it was nominated for every Oscar, basically. All the it was, it won the Palm d'Or. It won, didn't win Best Director, and Roger yep. Ebert was c- completely insane about it. I remember watching Siskel and Ebert and him talking about it. Loved it, loved it, and I, it's on the Wikipedia the stuff Roger Ebert wrote about it. Um, it's very, it was a very, 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 very big deal when, when it came out, and I remember not exactly knowing what the plot was about. You kind of knew it was like about this. It's like a British family and they turn out to have like a black kid, you know, but that's such a reduction. That's not what the movie's about at all. Like it's such a reductionist way of, of looking at it. But I feel like that was kind of like how it entered the the culture, you know? Um, But it is a very interesting movie. And like you're saying, I mean, it's such a funny movie to talk about because um, the last, you know, the last 40 minutes are extremely (laughs) melodramatic. It's just like a crazy melodrama with, And it is. You mentioned Mike Lee directing plays. Like it is very play-like. A a lot of the movie, and it's got this kind of kind of physical action that is, you know, works really well in a play. And it, you know, a lot of it just happens around the dinner table or whatever. Um, But that chunk of it is extremely melodramatic. But it, it earns that through the previous hour and 40 minutes because Mm -hmm. this movie is extremely long it's two and a half hours long um of just very understated stuff extremely understated stuff and um and this is kind of what I was talking to about like um the way that it sort of feels like a tv show Be it's 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 two and a half hours long it's almost episodic like things happen in the movie like they introduce new characters and they just have a scene and then the character leaves again you know you don't see them anymore I mean that is that is the kind of the stuff that's tv-ish to me you know
1: yeah, I would say it's even maybe short filmish. Like there's like maybe ten minute scenes chunk here. You could watch it in like uh like thirty minute chunks, like, oh, and then yeah, maybe just one British T V show. Like a British series is what, two hours like every six episodes, thirty minutes long, so that's three hours. So this is about that same like yeah, exactly. Uh, British TV. British first <laughs> season. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I feel it's a film that really earns its uh, a heavy handed title, but it really earns that title of Secrets and Lies and it yeah, like I said it works and goes to lengths to the to depict those lives, which is full of lies and secrets, and really shows that we all kind of have our own secrets and lives that we keep to ourselves. Are all define that help define us that we don't necessarily share with everyone until uh, it comes to the point. And it is kind of cheesy that like the it unabashedly arrives at the conclusion that to tell the truth is better. That's not really about like the message that that message but it's uh it's about along the way we get a a real film about identity and how family is a part and shapes that identity as well uh it's like what you said it builds very well it's he all his movies are just so unconventionally building uh like here for example in secrets and lies uh arguably the uncle is the main character we didn't even mention him uh you could argue that three main characters
0: He's a portrait photographer, the the uncle, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually really fascinating because the movie movie takes the time to have all these sequences of him doing photography. (laughs) Like in the first half hour of the movie, there's maybe three different montages of him taking portrait shots of people. And they're all like crazy, crazy different, like a lady in lingerie and a a boxer and a family and a baby. And like, it's just all over. And there's maybe like 20 of these, you know? And it's so weird that it takes the time to do the, all this stuff, right? It's so unusual, but it's great. I loved it so much. I thought it, they were all like, they really like sparked your imagination in a certain way. Cause they all seem to be really alive and have personality. And you just sort of started thinking about like, who are these people and how do they relate to each other? And why are they doing this? Which I thought was cool. Yes, I don't um, know. <laughs> are, you, are you still there? <laughs> it's, 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 oh yeah. I thought, I thought, I
1: thought you were going to keep going. I'm not going to, I'm all here for uh, the Mike Lee love. Uh, Mike Lee is a director. Uh, I just came upon him when i like, oh, I heard this is good. Uh, and it was uh, Life is Sweet. And I got the Criterion version of mm-hmm. it. And my jaw dropped. And I just went and devoured most of his stuff. And then uh, this year, our Leader of Our Lord 2020, uh, Criterion had uh, uh, films of Mike Lee. There's about uh, 10 films on there. I think five of them are still up, uh, including Secrets and Lies and Life is Sweet and uh, High Hopes, I believe, is on there. Uh, all so fucking good. Um, I love like like he is one of his, <laughs> I know it's, it's so really funny.
0: Helped. It's not funny that you love Mike Lee, but it's just like <laughs> I don't know. I just wouldn't guess, and it is you. Just seem so genuinely excited to talk about Mike yeah, Lee. It's really, he really cute. you really help define
1: like what I look for in movies and how like movies it take like they're they're very funny. They're very uh, specific. Uh, they're not necessarily about how. Uh, how beautiful they're shot but there's no undeniably shot really really well too he always has these mike lee shots we just like oh that's a fun way of looking i don't like, know i don't shot. particularly like, this movie...
0: think this movie is shot super well i mean do you well, like
1: this, the first shot in the movie is um uh, at at the uh, hortense's family so it's like the only time we're getting like this big black gathering uh and it's at a funeral and we're overhead shot and the like they're lowering the it's like the graves dug and the headstones off to the side i was like what a weird shot uh and i know like you said there's all this montage of of uh photography i thought that was really well good. that's true those scenes and, are uh, shot really well yeah and even the, um so like the uncle uh timothy spall's character our dear morris is uh well a little bit better off than his uh older sister cynthia who is the mother here uh and that, that of course factors into the the, the movie but the way that they show the house at first is just like, oh, is this house cool? Like uh, he has his fridge is built into this nice cabinet. Uh, he has like a really nice bathroom, but they're not really showing it too much. And then they cut to like her house and how like not decrepit but kind of decrepit. Her house, yeah, everything. her
0: house looks like crap. Yeah, uh, that's so it's true. I like more of
1: a language in the way that it's shot. Like I said, it's not like over the top well, but it's like subtly just bowls me over every time like when i when i sit and actually look for it it's so good um but yeah well, i mean we could talk about that uh acting in this a little bit because it is, oh it's
0: all really good right i don't want to say
1: i don't want to say it's uh the, the best acting on mike lee movie but it might be uh Brenda blythin <laughs> as the mother here it's one, like i i mentioned one... in my intro like it's they're kind of over the top characters but they are and they aren't at the same time which is amazingly you have to pull it off through acting and it's so good
0: yeah one of the things i read that one of the critics had written about the movie was uh it's it's done in this way where it doesn't feel artificial at all and and the things that the movie is choosing to focus on are just these very real life moments that it has it has the quality of just listening to real just like eavesdropping on real people hanging out i mean you definitely Mm -hmm. feel like you are at these gatherings with with these people and like you're saying a lot of that is down to their like really really good performances these, these just seem like real people i mean i i do sometimes feel like i have this particular uh, like brain worms where when you talk about a character in a movie it's like you're talking about a real person you know i kept like talking about the different people i was like oh yeah i know somebody that has this accent and i hate them oh that she's just like this lady oh and i was like oh yeah this is not like a real person though you know yeah uh like even down like the great
1: leslie Banville's in this she only has one scene she's the social worker who uh gives the uh, information t- uh, to Hortense about to find her birth mother, but it's just a very lived-in scene. It's only one scene, but she's like, "Sorry, my uh, day's going thing. Uh, sit down, look at these papers. You want a Rolo?" Uh, just going through <laughs> her day. It's so good. I, uh, yeah, Mary Jean Baptiste uh, plays Hortense. Uh, Probably, I don't know. It's a hard role to imagine, but you don't. You don't want to be like. I don't know. Like, I, a character caricature as the rest of these character uh the uh the mother is or like anyone else but because she has to portray a little bit more of a uh, well-off that she was like maybe a little bit better here that she was adopted in a way too
0: that's one of the things that is interesting about the movie is they just, the plot is about this woman who finds out she's adopted and she's trying to find her adoptive mother. But then it kind of like you're saying, it turns out that she, it was kind of like good that she got adopted. <laughs> you know, she's obviously doing much better in life and seems to come from a much more stable home. And, um, you know, she's obviously gone to, is an optometrist has gone to college and her sister that she meets the whole. So the whole climax of the movie is that this sister's 21st birthday party. And for a long time, nobody knows that the woman who the other woman is her sister. They just she's pretending to be a friend of the mom, and they keep talking to the the other sister and whose whose birthday it is, and saying like, "Oh, are you going to go to university? Like, what are you doing?" And she keeps going like. Me, go to university. No. Uh... And it's like, she's, but she's saying it in this way that she thinks it's like really cool <laughs> to like not go to university. And the other woman is like, yeah. Mm, uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> you know. And that it does come up textually in the it's movie. Where... The mom says to the adopted daughter at one point, like, well, I did you a good turn. And it she means like, good thing I didn't raise you because like, look how fucked up my life is.
1: Yeah. Like her daughter, uh, she works, the mom works at the factory. The daughter works as a garbage picker throughout the, th- the time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, even throughout the, uh, that last climax, where uh, Hortense is pretending to be their friend, like, but the mom Cynthia knows that it's her daughter, but she's just bragging about her to everyone too. It's so just like this, like, oh, it's like, it, like, oh, she's not gonna tell. And then after a couple minutes in this uh, at the birthday scene, you're like, yeah, she's gonna tell, and that's where the, the the scene takes off. And there's, I don't know, they handle those moments so well. I thought uh, another great moment, uh, not to. Talk, move away from the ending but to move away from the ending uh, when they first meet uh, I thought it was really good because uh, again uh, Hortense is a black woman and you find out her mom is a white woman uh, so it's like hi are you Cynthia and it's like oh yeah uh, I think there's there's a mistake because I'm not black and like it's just this really like hard to talk like talk scene because it's all in the performance it's all in the like like it's funny it's not, it shouldn't be that funny, but it really is just like, what the hell is wrong with these people? <laughs> oh, it's so
0: interesting. And it is interesting too. So it is, like you said before, it is obviously part of the plot that the adopted daughter is black. And like, obviously that's part of the plot and it is discussed explicitly, but at the same time, it's also like not part of the plot at all. Like nobody ever like says a racial slur. Nobody ever is like acts intolerant towards her because of how she looks or something like that. It's just like, they, they deal literally logically with how could I possibly be your daughter? But like, aside from that, it doesn't come up, which I think is such an interesting choice.
1: Yeah. I think the the most is like, I didn't, I can't be, I never had, I never had sex with a black man. Oh, wait, that's like the, <laughs> and it's played for like a little bit of laugh, but like they re- really do treat her nice. And there is moments where you think like, oh, like um, the uncle's wife uh, who has her own issues, uh, she can't conceive. Uh, and that's another big thing that they- gets unraveled through the course of this movie through everybody. But uh, I thought that like there was moments here that like, oh, she's going to say something off. She's going to be the one that makes this racial and yeah. like, it never happens. And kudos to Mike Lee for just, treating people as people because that's a great thing
0: to do. I know. I kept waiting for it to come up too and I was so interested that it didn't. And I was thought it was a good choice. I mean, this is actually something I meant to say when we were talking about Lover's Rock. So obviously the um you know the So we're talking about Lover's Rock versus Babylon. And obviously Babylon has a lot more like sort of hard edge stuff about like the white people hate the Caribbean immigrants and they're, you know, the police hate the Caribbean immigrants and they're persecuted and they're fighting for their lives and, you know, just to get to exist. And it's, it seems so unjust. And so then when you watch Lover's Rock and it's like, it's just about people going to a party. And there is like a little bit, there's one scene where some white people seem kind of scary, but it just doesn't even, it's very quick. Right where you can be like, oh, well, this isn't really what it's like, you know, and this isn't really, like, telling you the truth. But I think that that's, like, a bad way to think, and I I believe that both things can be true at the same time. I mean, and every story shouldn't be about oppression, right? And, I mean, that is one of the knocks on 12 Years a Slave is that people say, like, oh, you know... This is such a, it gets so award-winning and everything being it's showing black people as victims and black people suffering and black people as slaves and can we not see them in a different situation? So I think this movie is like a very, it is, it's in a lot of ways, like a direct answer to that, right? Because it's like, it's just about people having a good time. And, and I think those, well, yeah. both of those stories can exist. And that ties back to Secrets and Lies because it's like, it's not about her being black necessarily. It, it is, but it also isn't, you know? And I think that's mm-hmm. legitimate, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's more about the, just a, a mom trying to find some, whose life is pretty hot, sucks and then finds a little beacon of hope with a, a daughter coming to her. And she doesn't want to like she uh, like the it's which uh, it, it was a true thing in England happening uh, where the an adopted uh, child was allowed to get their records and like it's within their rights to track down their uh, parents. There were social workers who could work with them. Hortense uh, kind of eschewed that. But uh, I remember uh, reading about this that there was, uh, I'm, I'm going to blank on the name of the, uh, the group, but they uh, loved it. And uh, it was called, oh, Bastard Nation was the name, uh, adoptive adult adoptee rights organization. Uh, and they used uh, Secrets and Lies as a vehicle to raise awareness of sealed birth records in uh, the United States in the United States. Uh, and yeah, even invited old Mike and, uh, Brenda Blythe and to come and,
0: you know, and this is maybe another thing we haven't talked about is as much as I was saying it was like melodramatic, it does just depict people dealing with the issues. This brings up head on and getting out, uh, getting past it in a certain way. And like you said, there is kind of a funny, I, you know, it's kind of funny and almost a little like overly optimistic. There is a scene towards the very end, like five minutes or less before the end of the movie where someone says, well, it's always best to tell the truth. That way, nobody gets hurt. And it goes uncommented on. I was expecting there to be some kind of comment or look or something, but mm-hmm. the movie just, I don't know, presents that. You know, I mean, I guess you as the viewer can interpret that how you want. But like, I yeah. was like, I mean, really? Nobody gets hurt when you tell the truth? I think that's actually the main reason people don't tell the truth is to keep people <laughs> from getting hurt.
1: Yeah, it's just like this big scene and then there's some closure, uh, but more... It- closure in the way that there is like a life being led after these credits roll. Like it, we get a big scene and then one scene afterwards, uh, maybe like three minutes long. It's just a very nice scene. Uh, and Mike Lee always says his films aren't about giving answers, but about uh, offering questions and reflecting a uh, quote, a sort of investigation. And I think uh, this might be, like I said in my intro, this is a little more of his uh, emotional uh, tearjerker films in a way uh, his other films are kind of more earlier stuff than this is a little bit more punk rock he later went on to uh, do uh, in his non uh, modern tech pieces he's did uh, topsy-turvy Vera drake uh, peter lou mr turner uh, he's made kind of a huge shift into these broader uh, epic pieces which is weird for like but they're still like small character driven pieces and it's the beauty of Mike Lee and just finding characters to find answers. Uh, do you know about his process? Because I this is where I get to talk about Mike Lee a little bit. A little bit. I think it's the coolest thing. Uh, how he no, how he I don't. I don't tell script. me about it. So uh, no script at all at first. No script. He just gets the idea. Like this one was just about okay, uh, an adoptive parent issue. This is a thing. Uh, so he finds actors uh, and he just works with them. Uh, one-on-one to develop a character just to develop their lives to get their nuances down to get like everything about them and then after one-on-one he gets all the actors together like for scenes and then they developed more of the character and they also develop a little bit of the story to see how people react and ping off of that uh, and there's a little bit of improv in this uh, which is funny because there's absolutely no improv in his movies he's very a uh, strict script guy uh, so he writes a script based off of all these interactions. Uh, and so, yeah, this is a process. And yes, this does require a huge commitment from the actors. I've heard it takes uh, just in the, uh, in the lead up before even filming, it can take up to six months. And yeah, that's a huge commitment. But uh, people like the actors love it. Some actors say like, yeah, uh, I'm in his movies because I you have to be in his movie. It's the best experience I've had as an actor. And uh, like, we the chemistry in this movie between, like, it's a, it's a daughter meeting a mom. And it's, like, kind of meet cute a little bit. Uh, but you can tell there's real chemistry there. And that chemistry ain't no accident. That was worked on chemistry that they developed. It's And through all the characters, too. Uh, and then some of them aren't even, like, super professional. I would say a lot of them are great professional actors. But, like, the daughter who Chris did a great impression of, by the way, kudos on that accent. Uh, <laughs> not as the real actor, like uh, James Corden's in one of his movies, is, uh, uh, who's, and I actually like him a lot in, uh, in, the movie he, in the Mike Lee movie he's in. I don't know if you're allowed to say actor. that,
0: Caleb. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> that James Corden's a bad actor? Oh, I thought you said you liked him in one of his movies. Oh,
1: I did. I did say that, but I do say he's yeah. a bad actor.
0: Right. Well, okay, so you balance it out. That's fine. All right, that's fine. <laughs> Guys, I don't like James Corden. <laughs> Good. Thank you for being explicit. I appreciate my cool that. Point. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic movie, Caleb. It's a fantastic movie. And I was like, right, okay, I didn't know how long it was and i waited until this afternoon to watch it and so it was with a bit of <laughs> d- alarm that i saw the running time i paused it and like googled it frantically i'm like is this the right thing and i was like yeah it is um but i will say i didn't mind at all i didn't mind at all it was great it was great yeah, to watch. Um, it was a two and a half yeah, hour movie got- that honestly just goes by it's great mm-hmm. you got still someone criterion i would Love for everyone to check them out, Uh, and
1: uh, Steve McQueen movies too. As we're wrapping up here, these are two of the great directors. Honestly, two of my all-time favorite directors. Uh, Steve McQueen's still very much in the early part of his career. Mike, probably in the later part of his. Yeah, I would say so. uh, Career here. Uh,
0: So, Caleb, do you want to do you want to move on and and do our do our thing that we do?
1: Yes, I do.
0: Okay, so like, let's say you had to pick one of these two movies, or you know, you're going to have a series of, I don't know, emotional breakdowns, <laughs> you know, like which, which of these movies would you, would you say is your actually best choice? I mean,
1: that's that's going to happen regardless of if I pick a movie here. Um, but yeah, I love Steve McQueen. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, Mike Lee's Secrets and Lies out of just uh, the work here. Cause I, I, I do, I do, I say, I love Steve McQueen. This is um might be in the long run his lesser work which is not an insult i'm just saying he has such other great films to do and uh and this also i could be wrong this might be up there i've really really enjoyed this I, if this is eligible for film lists i don't know if i, I would put it on there <laughs> i don't know if it is i don't know i guess i, I can feel like people i just
0: myself. have been seeing different like <laughs> yeah, writers on, say I mean, like they, it does qualify yeah. for their year-end list
1: yeah me too but also i've seen it on tv lists as well <laughs> yeah, fair, right. um but yeah, I loved it, but I'm going to pick uh, Secrets and Lies. Uh, I, uh, I, So a cheap thing I do is not, if I love something, I just will just say I love it so much and I can't pick a favorite. So Mike is one of those things where it's like, oh, I love all his movies. I can't pick a favorite of him. I do that with pie as well. Um, uh, but I compare Mike Lee movies to Pi. Uh, <laughs>
0: Which has actually been coming uh, up in our life specifically right now because it is actually Caleb's birthday this weekend and we're planning a party for him uh, and we're okay. getting him pie, And I, he refuses to pick a pie. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I just—I mean, if you pick a pie, I'll, it's going to be great. I think we're going to get all the. D- I think mean, we're going to get gonna like a great.
0: sampler. We're going to get all the pies. Um, yeah, I would also, I would also say I'd have to pick Secrets and Lies. I mean, Lovers Rock was great. I was really excited to see it. Um, it was a little different than I was expecting. I will definitely say I didn't expect it to be mm-hmm. as loose as it was, but I think that it was still in, definitely enjoyable to watch. Uh, And I do love, I love the music, and I love the energy, and I love the period, and, you know, it was all great. But, I mean, Secrets and Lies is just, it's fantastic. It's like a fantastic, fantastic Mm -hmm. film. And it was, like, Mm -hmm. just so, normally when something ends with the kind of, like, you know, like play ish dramatic kind of like confrontations that happen at the end of this movie. It, it can, it can seem unearned and false to me and I, and I'm not crazy about it, but this movie earns it really well, even though one of the characters literally like says the title of the movie, you know, he goes like secrets and lies. (laughs) We're all in pain. Why can't we share our pain? But it's (laughs) like, it works, you know, it seems real and it works in the scene, you know, Mm -hmm. It's great. It's a great uh, movie. Yeah. Thank you so much for yeah. suggesting it. It was great to watch.
1: Yeah, uh, both these movies, great London movies, uh, very distinctive. Uh, I've never been to London, but I felt like I've been here. I mean, hopefully we took you there too, who are talking about.
0: <laughs> yes, the magical audio trip through the secondary power of the magic of cinema. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, great. That's the show for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in.
1: Yeah, bud. Get Peace, get nerds. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everybody ok bye oh